0: Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I hope you are all staying healthy and thriving as best as you can in these quarantine times. I am very excited to share this episode with you all. I had two separate phone calls that were... Too Hot to Handle. (laughs) I can't help myself but be a little cheesy here. Uh, I got to speak with two people that really stuck out to me on the new Netflix show, Too Hot to Handle. I will tell you that this episode does include spoilers. So if you have not finished the season, definitely go ahead and do that unless you don't care and you're fine to have things be a little bit spoiled. Uh, So the whole premise of this show, if you don't have any interest in watching or just haven't watched yet... The premise of Too Hot to Handle is that they get a bunch of these sexy singles to go date each other on a beach. But then when they get there, they find out that they're not just there to actually have fun and and hook up with each other as sexy young singles, but that it's a retreat actually to, you know, focus on creating deeper emotional connection, void of all sexual activity and interaction. Uh I have a lot of feelings about this as I'm sure you can all imagine. So this show meant that they were not able to kiss, they were not able to touch, and they were not able to masturbate. Um and at the end of this there was a $100,000 prize money. Um and if you were to kiss, that would take away $3,000. If you were to have sex, I I believe that was 20000 I don't remember. Um, but basically if you engaged in any kind of sexual activity that you would lose prize money for the whole group. So it brought up some interesting group dynamics, but the whole concept I, I do struggle with a little bit here because I want to be very clear to all of you listeners that you can very, very well have a emotional connection with someone that you are just having sex with. That that's okay if you are in a casual relationship and enjoying sex that way. I think the, the point of why one would go to the length of not engaging in any kind of sexual activity whatsoever in order to produce a deeper emotional connection is when you are having that sex that is meaningless now. Sometimes that's just what you want. Sometimes you just want a release and that's okay. I don't want anyone listening to feel shameful if they just intentionally needed a release and sought it out and fulfilled it and that was it for them. That's totally okay. Um, you know i i struggle with with wanting this show to be sex positive and struggling with the fact that some parts of it might not be <laughs> um but for me my biggest hang up on all of this was the masturbation piece because i think it's very important to maintain that sexual relationship with yourself and that by doing so you can then show up in a more fulfilled whole way um emotionally with someone else so just something to keep in mind as I go through these interviews, both with Kells and with Matthew. And again, just to check yourself, you know, maybe during the show, maybe while listening to this episode as to what being sex positive means to you, as to what engaging in sexual activity with someone else means for you, how intentional are you in your sexual interactions, Granted, we're living in different times, so maybe this is something to reflect on from the past, um, but also to ask yourself what your sexual relationship is with yourself. What is that like? Are you checking in with yourself? Are you avoiding yourself? Are you neglecting yourself? Are you scared of yourself? Uh, the piece of this that I thought was most interesting <laughs> and also not very surprising was that the men on the show were visibly surprised and shocked and frustrated at the inability to masturbate for this month. But the women were more just kind of like, oh, what? But I wanted to lick his body. Uh, so I think that that just kind of, again, shows um, how female sexuality has actually been repressed while we've been hypersexualized. Um, we still are shamed for our sexuality. So having that you know an in intense deep emotional uh sexual connection within ourselves it hasn't been something that's been super encouraged for us so um Definitely if I was on that show, I would have fought that piece. (laughs) Uh, But regardless, the show definitely brings up some conversations, some topics to discuss around hookup culture, around what it means to develop a deeper emotional connection with someone, how we go about doing that, how we're using sex in our lives, right? Are we using sex as a way to avoid being emotionally vulnerable with someone? Although if I'm being honest with you all... Sharing your bodies, being fully naked and exposed, um, allowing someone else to enter your body, entering someone else's body, exchanging fluids—those are all real, vulnerable things to be doing. And for whatever reason, we think that it's uh, it's 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 easier to do to be vulnerable in that way. But in doing so, we often shut off uh, the emotional part of us that. Actually allows us to be present in that engagement. Um, So yeah, a lot, a lot of things to think about with this show. Uh, I want to introduce our first. Guest. Uh, the first guest I'm going to be speaking with is Kells, and he was born in Austria. He's the eldest of eight children. Um, he moved to the UK at age 13, and he's a senior recruitment consultant based in London. He's very much an alpha male uh, who's used to getting what he wants, and that shows through on the show. Uh, he has a tattoo of a lion on his arm, and he played the role of the accountant on the show. He did not engage in any any kind of romantic or sexual relationship with anyone and really stuck to stuck to his guns on that. And a friendly reminder before we get into these interviews, because we are going to be talking about sex and we're going to be talking about masturbation, uh, that y'all can get a friendly little discount over at WeVibe. So I have shared several times on my Instagram, my favorite vibrators, WeVibe. They've got amazing toys over there. You can get uh, 20% off with code Taylor20. So if after this episode, you're like, yeah, no, I do want to masturbate. I do want to explore some different avenues news here. Definitely check them out. WeVibe.com. That's W-E-V-I-B-E and use code Taylor20. Get yourself a discount. I know that it's an investment when you order these toys. They do have some on sale. So definitely check those out. Uh, my favorite that I'll recommend is the Melt love the melt. Uh, Definitely if I'm ever going back on any kind of reality TV show, the melt is going with me. Um, (laughs) But apparently not on this show. Uh, But anyway, I just want to give a friendly reminder to those of you um, who are interested to check out the vibrators there and use that code Taylor20 and keep that in mind and share it with your friends because we could all use some good vibes if you know what I mean. All right. (laughs) Without any further ado, I guess we should get into this and uh, I hope you all enjoy this conversation I had with Kels. Uh, He was fantastic to chat with and I wish we could have had more time, but very thankful and happy for the time that we did have. Um, And after we chat with Kels, we will then chat with Matthew. So let's talk about it. All right, so welcome, Kels, to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me tonight because you're in the UK, so it's nighttime there, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me. It's around 6.30, 6.40.
0: Okay, wow, yeah. Well, I'm glad we were able to make this work. Um, So you were just recently on the Netflix show, Too Hot to Handle, and you definitely stood out to me on there as being the accountant, partially because I was like, That would be me. (laughs) Like, I would definitely be, like, maybe not the actual accountant because I'm not the best at numbers, but maybe, like, the accountant's assistant. Um, Love that you took on that role. Um, Have a a lot of questions just about the show, but also about you. And was hoping maybe to kind of start off that you could share with us a little bit about what your dating life was like pre-show.
1: Okay. Um, My dating life was pretty much... Sure, not really existing i don't really have anyone that i was seeing for a long period of time mm-hmm. i've had like one girlfriend like three years ago my first i've only had one girlfriend and we were together for like a year and a half mm. slash two years and after that i just even before that i just never really bothered getting to know i think because i'm very picky my my bar is quite high so i always tend to find faults into something so i just never really mm. bothered it for too long
0: yeah yeah and on the show, it did seem like everyone that was casted was just used to having these really short flings, and that their relationships were predominantly sexual based and I couldn't tell if that was an exaggeration or if that was real, but for you, you're saying that that was pretty accurate
1: yeah hundred percent absolutely I think no one really everyone was everyone's a hunter, isn't it? you know we just go mm-hmm. cook up, have fun. Don't really think beyond, you know, long term for me was four weeks until I went to the retreat, to be honest. So I've not been found anything else since then. Everyone was on the same boat. So everyone was pretty much excited to be at a retreat
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just have fun with each other, really.
0: Yeah, where you basically thought you'd be going to, this was in Mexico, right? Not an island. It was Mexico?
1: No, okay. yeah.
2: Beautiful so you- Mexico.
0: Yeah. Mexico. You basically thought you were going to be going to Mexico with all these hot chicks and just be able to, like, go after whoever you wanted and just have, like, a sex-filled vacation.
1: Yes, sir. On the <laughs> beach. In the dreamies. Love it. What more can you ask for?
0: Yeah. And your reaction? I I didn't post a lot about the show on social media, but but I did post a um, a story of everyone's reaction when Lana, the lamp thing, I don't even know what you call it. She was like this little device, uh, that gave you all the rules. She was kind of like your version of The Bachelor's Chris Harrison. Um, and when she came on and and shared with you the rules that you were not to be able to engage in any kind of sexual activity, but especially like masturbation and your reaction literally killed me. You were like, (gasps) Oh,
1: plot twist <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> and I don't know if it was specifically to the masturbation part but that was when they showed your reaction um so I'm curious like what was actually going through your head like when you were informed of these rules
1: you know what it was first it was like okay no no sex no kiss no kissing no sex nothing and then I was like okay cool And I were like, I can do it. and then they were like no masturbation I was like okay, you're not, you're, not really, you're not really testing us. <laughs> like, it, was, it was a different concept, right? Because first of all, I think most of my reaction was pretty much because I've never experienced something like this, right? I was expecting to have fun, being mm-hmm. a son. I saw these girls. I was really counting in my head who I'm going to go after. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they changed all that. And I was just like, Shit! I should have made a chance when we were all by the fire dancing, then drinking. Do you know what I mean? It was literally yeah. that. But like, aye, yeah. But um, I wasn't expecting that. It takes a lot to surprise me, and that wasn't. That was definitely <laughs> one of those things.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I was surprised. I think there was only one quote-unquote hookup um, of Rhonda and Sharon kissing um, before the rules were told. Before you guys were informed of what the rules were. Well actually no, because you guys played that game, but you didn't kiss anyone in that game.
1: No, didn't yeah. I was trying to be a gentleman and play it cool, you know what I mean I take time. I don't I don't pounce straight away. You know, if you're watching the lion and the animal kingdom, the lion will look at the prey for a little bit, it doesn't make sense, and then find out which one they're gonna pounce on. Yeah. It's not if he starts running at the herd, everyone starts running away. You don't want that. You've got to be smart about it. very like, creepy. Very true. Like,
0: I was I was going to ask about the lion because in your kind of intro video you had pulled up like your tattoo of a lion um and obviously taking on more of like an alpha role on the show and I imagine just in your life in general um but that's that's interesting the the analogy here of like the hunt in dating um has there been a, a transition for you in dating post-show? Like, if that's still your mindset of this kind of, this hunt?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think after the retreat, you kind of think about things. I always used to, I'm always a thinker, right? But mm-hmm. going, going a whole four weeks without anything, kind of, makes you think a lot more, especially when there's no social media, there's no girls in bikinis coming up on your feeds, there's no there's no swiping, there's no nothing. So you, have got, you haven't got any of that distraction, right? You haven't got people calling you. So you kind of spend time reflecting and enjoying conversations with people. So mm-hmm. now, I think the hunt is a lot more different where I would see a girl, I'd talk to her, for example, right? And normally you'd think, okay, Get her kills, get her kills. But in my head, I can already already replay the hunt in my head. Re, I can already fast forward to us kissing, us having sex
2: mm-hmm.
1: in my head while we're, while we're talking. Say you and me are talking, right? Mm-hmm. Already I'm fast forwarding, okay, kissing, what sex would look like. And okay, cool. i am done it. I've done it in my head. So now I'm calm and relaxed. I can talk to you. And there's no need to like do it now because I'm like, I've already done it in my head. And imagination is the most powerful thing in the world, right? Yeah. If you can control that, then you would never be able to read me. you won't be able to think like this guy wants to pass me because I'm always chilled. So they will be like, yeah, I'm good. So then if whether it takes two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, it's fine. Because <laughs> I think that's what the thing is, right? Because most guys go on their instinct, the natural instincts. I need, I want to have sex with her. Oh, look at that girl. What? What? And then once you have it, it's done. That's the same with the hunt. Once I come, well, usually when I'm with someone and I come, I come to my senses and I'm just like, this is it mm-hmm. now. hmm
0: Yeah. Um, Well, and I guess it depends on what it is that you are looking for, right? It depends if you are just wanting a sexual release or if you are wanting to actually experience that deeper emotional connection. And sounds like pre-show, your focus on developing that deeper emotional connection wasn't really a priority, that it was more just like... I'm really attracted to this person and I just want to go there. But otherwise, I'm really particular and maybe have some walls up around being vulnerable and like going deeper with people. So let's just like get it on.
1: You know what? It's, it's, something, it's definitely something along the lines. I think before what it's normally been is I, I've always had options, right? So I always mm-hmm. could if I wanted to. So it was just a better alternative, right? Mm-hmm. It was something to do and it something to do rather than I was never available emotionally, never, I, my mind never went into that. It was just like, okay, you're attractive. I have an urge. Let's quench that urge and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I'm kind of looking for a lot more deeper, someone that when you have sex with them, rather than rolling out of bed and putting your jeans on and leaving, you actually want to stay, watch Netflix and chill, have banter, enjoy mm-hmm. each other's company, and you know, know what that person is about. I think that's important. I mm-hmm. feel like if you can go a whole day just chilling, You know, you doing your thing, for example, and me doing my thing, and we're watching TV or, and we're just talking. It's not just a sexual thing, but I'm just amazed by your mind and how you keep me on my toes. I think that's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Someone you can have sex with and who's also your best friend.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate goal (laughs) Uh, just to have a best friend that you also have sex with and want to hang out with all the time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And for you, you didn't find anyone like that on the show.
1: No, I think that's why. I was interested in Frankie, obviously, aesthetically. She's, she's, looks, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be honest. But one of my main reasons as to why I didn't really go for her you know, in the pool was because I wanted to know if there was more, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she's just broken up with Harry.
0: Yeah.
1: And one thing in my head was also like, okay, are you interested in me? Do you, or do you just want to corrupt the accountant, right? Because what's more mm-hmm. exciting than spending 20K, right? What yeah. makes a bigger headline? spending yeah. more money with Harry or corrupting the incorruptible accountant. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I didn't want to go for anything. Even though when we were close in the shower, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, nah, we'll wait. Because if this is real, after the shower scene, for example, and mm-hmm. we, you know, mm-hmm. next we wake up in the morning, we'd be able to have conversations and start like normal. I don't know if you saw the scene when we are in the hammock.
0: Yes. Where I was yeah. actually
1: just talking to her, trying to get them to know what she does, whether she enjoys it. That's yeah. what I'm about. Yeah. I think that's what I wanted to explore, really.
0: Yeah, that's when she was like, I don't really care about the 100K because I have 300,000 followers on Instagram, so I'll make that anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, fair play. Sorry, <laughs> money bagged.
0: <laughs> yes, but but yeah, I could see where, you know, you wanted to give that time to be able to check out that you weren't just like this challenge for her to have achieved, right, of, of corrupting the accountant. Um, and there was a conversation that... You had with Matthew about long-term relationships, about monogamy was brought up, and I wish that I don't know if you guys did go farther into this conversation or if they just didn't show it. But um, curious, what your relationship is with monogamy?
1: I definitely believe in monogamy. I mean, that's I think one of the reasons why I've been single for so long, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to look for someone that ticks all the boxes. I don't believe in I don't believe in settling, right? I mean, we live mm-hmm. on a planet. Where billions of people in the world and you've yeah. got to understand every country has a different culture so necessarily the person I might want to be with might not be on my street might not be mm-hmm. in my area might not be in the same tube I get on but she might be somewhere else so I don't really feel you ever lower the bar in terms of monogamy that's the reason why it's so important for you to find someone who mentally stimulates you who you love for their mind right mm-hmm. so you can look at it and be like you know what? I literally just love you because it's little things even the imperfections mm-hmm. Because when the looks fade and everything and you're old and like in your seventies know, and eighties, you wanna still be next to that one person you can crack jokes up and like have laughs with, have flashbacks with. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think I think that's just why plus I'm Catholic, so I do genuinely believe in monogamy. I do believe I don't wanna have a home with different kids, different mums. I don't I'm kinda of old school like that, if that makes sense. Find mm-hmm. one person. My granddad when was um in Africa, obviously back then, during those times having multiple women was seen as a son of wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he had three wives, like a lot of kids, like 22 kids, but mm-hmm. he was rich, so he was able to put everyone through school. So that's how, they, that's how they measured wealth back then. But he died from like high blood pressure. So that kind of answers your question. It's not really, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> one, one relationship, one marriage is stressful enough, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need to multiply that by three, That's just why it's important to find the right person.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, how do you? Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't. I was going to ask about like religion and how that played a role. I didn't realize that you were Catholic. Um, how has being Catholic, if at all, kind of influenced your relationship with sex?
1: Yeah, I try to treat like a gray area. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, it's just. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Like it says you shouldn't have sex before marriage, but. Hmm. You know, I feel like as long as I'm not committing other sins like stealing and killing, I'm I'm mm-hmm. all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Do you know what I, mean? I'm, I, I just try not to think about it. I try to put it in a little box. If I make sense. But obviously, yeah. when it comes to marriage, I take. I think marriage is sacred. That's mm-hmm. one thing where, for example, cheating is not something I'll ever condone. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why it's so important for me not to settle and be particular with who you want to end up spending the rest of your life with. Mm-hmm. Isn't it, Isn't it like? the most important things, the most stressful things in life are finding a career that you enjoy, um, securing a house, and then finding the wife that you want to build with. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the most... Mm-hmm. Once you have those three things sorted, I think life's pretty much
0: hmm.
1: game over, in it? You're winning, right?
0: Hmm.
1: Complete. Level complete.
0: Yeah. Where do you stand right now with those three things in your life?
1: Great question. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I'm okay. Do you know, I haven't found the person to marry yet. Yeah. Enough. I haven't, I'm I'm in the process of like getting a house. Mm, But do you know what's important? You know what I've noticed in life is the process. Mm -hmm. Because the things I know now, and I spend a lot of time on my own, which is amazing because I know what I'm like. Mm -hmm. I get to know me a lot more, you know. And because of that, I know what I'm compatible with. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So now when I'm dating someone or talking to someone, I know the right questions to ask, I know the right tendencies to look at for me to know whether that's compatible with me or not. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's important before you go into a relationship that you know who you are. Do yeah. you know what I mean? That I think the accountant, I knew who I was. I knew what's important to me and I knew what my role was. So if you know that, it doesn't matter what temptation or what any, any person that comes in, you still stick to you because you know you. Because mm-hmm. you don't need someone else to, in essence, you know, make up who you are or you don't need someone else to, know, to, make, you know, to let you know what you're supposed to be like.
0: Definitely. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm curious what you would say in, in terms of what it is you are looking for in, in a partner. And I, I definitely hear parts of, you know, you have like a high standard and, and you don't want to settle on things and are kind of looking for like this full package. And one of the things that, you know, I, have a interesting relationship with monogamy, where I think this concept of this person being everything that we're looking for, right, um, feels like a lot of pressure to put on someone, and doesn't feel super practical to me that we would find someone that meets a hundred percent of the things that we're looking for. So for me, I look at it as like a eighty percent. Like I'm looking for my eighty percent, right? Um, wh- where do you stand on that, like? Do you feel like you will find your 100%? And like, what are those things that m- would make that person 100% of, of what it is you're looking for?
1: No, you know what? I actually agree with you on this. There's no, there is no there is 100% in someone. I think there's always a mix. And I think you need to be able to, be able to understand that. Which is why you want someone that exposes your flaws. Mm-hmm and someone that at the same time you love enough to want to change those flaws. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah.
1: So if, for example, okay, say you're quite a stubborn person, right? And I have little patience in general, right? Mm -hmm. So I would try to say, let's do this, Taylor. You'd be like, no, why? You have your own opinion, right? And I would normally, if I was a short-tempered person, I'd be like, you know, forget, whatever. But the thing is, because I care and because I know this would benefit you, my job, in essence, would be to learn how to communicate differently in a way that you understand so that you then, after a while, start taking me on board, and that way, you, over time, become less and less stubborn. Do you know what I mean? So, in essence, Mm -hmm. you have told me how to communicate. You have taught me how to think outside the box. You have taught me to be more patient and try Mm -hmm. to find different ways to get to understand you. Because what you have to understand, every person has a different point of view, right? The way you look at and think about things is based on where you grow up, the people you hang around with, and the mm-hmm. conditions you're in, right? And my way of thinking is completely different. So I think it's important to have someone that exposes your weakness and makes you a better person. And the same mm-hmm. vice versa. Because life is, for me, continuous improvement. So if I'm with someone that I have a smarter in me, or, you know, better this, better this, then I'm learning something, which means my life becomes a lot more richer by knowing you, Same vice versa. I want to be able to have something that you would want. But that's still at the same time, both of us are individually very good on our own, but together become even better. Do you know what I mean? Like that growth process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm 100% on all the things that you just said. Yes. <laughs> um, I think this is very important. And I think that's ultimately the goal, right? Is to have that, That balance in a relationship. Um, And it's definitely, it was just interesting to see you you take on that role um, on the show of almost in a way kind of leading other people in some ways, I think, um, to sticking to your values in a way. And I know you're the oldest of eight children. Um, I'm the oldest of Technically, like eleven children, but all with wow. different mothers. Um, I don't know if yours is okay. all within the same family.
1: So yeah, so I've got me and my sister, and then mm-hmm. the rest of my dad.
0: Okay, yeah, and
1: well it's pretty much there's no difference because I've I've yes. changed everyone's style, done school runs for everyone. It's just one love.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering then, just kind of what kind of like a part of this alpha role does that stem from? Being the oldest of eight, and like I imagine that we would perhaps take on a bit of like a caretaker role.
1: Yeah, it's, it definitely comes from that. I think it's a it's a mindset that you just start from beginning, right? You have a they say people are alpha, so you have a habit, don't, right? Mm. And I think it's good to note that it's not just about being the biggest and strongest. That's not what it's about. That's not what an alpha makes. An alpha makes you someone that can understand everyone, know how they think, and still be able to, in a way, you know, move them to certain things. Do you know what I mean? It's easy for me to just be like, no one spend money, but I was never like that, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I was like,
1: people spend money, I was cool, like do your thing, like you need to learn from it. But it's also just about you know, having an element of caring, having an element of being a natural leader and trying to be able to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things I was able to provide in there. And, you know, we ended up with the prize money, which hopefully, which if it wasn't for me, would have been probably non-existent. You know what I mean? I've been like, well done, everyone. You like win zero. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. Did you have any idea going in that there would be like a prize at the end?
1: No, no. No. Do you know what? It's actually weird, you know. I'm glad you brought it up because until Lana came up and said, oh, there's a 100K price fund, yeah. I realized, wait, I never really asked if I was getting paid for this. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I went past the auditions. I was so excited to be on the show, right? Yeah. And like, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I just heard Mexico. And I was like, okay, I'm down. And then, and then 100K, I was like, Oh yeah, prize money. You I I, I I was gonna do this for free to go this. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is uh, funny. Yeah, on um on Bachelor we don't get paid, but on Paradise you get paid like just a daily rate basically because people are you know leaving their jobs and everything. Um, yeah. But <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, the the money piece definitely can kind of change up like just the dating dynamic when you're in it. Um. We have to kind of start wrapping up here, but I guess my last question for you would be around what dating is looking like for you now. I mean, I know we're in times of quarantine and everything, but, um, you know, you had some time between when the show stopped filming to when it's been airing now, and I imagine to when quarantine stuff started. Um, So just of what what dating looks like for you now, and especially in, in quarantine and kind of where you're at with that
1: you know what? I'll be honest, after I came out, dating has not really been a focus for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I just wanted to, I knew this was coming out in, you know, in a year from now. So for me, I just wanted to make sure I was mentally ready for it, mentally ready for the exposure, you know, mature mm-hmm. enough to handle it and to communicate effectively. I think that was important for me from the, from the get-go. Yeah. And, and I didn't really want to get into anything or with anyone serious so what I kind of did was you know had a lot of conversations with people had relations with people not mm-hmm. nothing physical necessarily but just you know in a way trying to practice the things I learned in the retreat you know trying yeah. to start having a few more friends that's something I've never really had much in the past right I've never mm-hmm. really had a few more friends I always feel like the only way I can have a few more friends is if she's not good looking so that way mm-hmm. I never have to think about you know having sex with her but yeah. I'm able to now see you know women for the thing, not. not not that I wasn't able to before, but see someone for what they are. See their personality. See their good traits. Mm-hmm. See, their, see everything behind them that makes them them and makes me want to have them in my life in a non-sexual capacity, if that makes sense.
2: Mm. Yeah. So that's
1: what it's been like. I mean, right now we're obviously in quarantine. A lot is going on. A lot of people are suffering, which is obviously sad times for mm-hmm. all of us. I think the only thing I would have probably done in this time right now, which I've been doing, is just focusing on myself. And mm-hmm. this is a time to learn something new. Uh, this is time to focus on yourself you know if it's you know reading you want to do if it's more fitness and activity you want to do if it's like you know if you want to learn how to paint that's something you yeah. know you can start doing I got a ukulele just coming I've been out- learning
0: how to play the ukulele <laughs>
1: you see and it's all about changing negatives into positives right
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then coming out this quarantine more developed than you did coming in I think for me that would be a win to take out this sad situation in right at the moment
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and kind of what you did on, on the show as well. I mean, you had a difficult situation there and um, definitely tried to see it as an opportunity for growth and as an opportunity to challenge yourself. And I think all of us right now is finding a lot of ways where quarantine is challenging us and ways that we can kind of focus on our personal growth. Um, the last question, just based on what you just said, though, uh, about getting yourself mentally right, um, was therapy ever a part of that process for you between the show and, and now or just ever?
1: You know, I've always wanted to do therapy Um, just because I like, I'm a thinker, I like to think and I've always wanted to know what it's like to to just vomit all your thoughts to someone that just Mm -hmm. helps put it together for you. Do you know what I mean? Create order in that mess. And that's the reason I'm quite interested in that. And. I've always, that's something definitely I'm going to, you know, look into. Just not because I don't think therapy means there's something wrong with you, right? No. I think it's good to be able to have someone tell you more about your thoughts or provide insight. I think everyone in essence has therapy with someone, right? Mm-hmm. It could be either your loved one, it could be your friend, it could be, you know, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever it is. In essence, whenever you talk to them about a problem, I think that is a form of therapy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, just based on how you communicate and, and talk, I feel like you would get a lot out of it. Um, I'm a therapist, so that's where my head is going. Um, but thank you so much for for being vulnerable and for sharing a, be- a bit about your story, um, both on the show and just in your life in general. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about kind of where people could find you and if you have anything exciting that you want to share, maybe that's coming up for you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, look, My socials on Instagram, at Connect Diet. Talk about, it, you know, find me, hashtag the accountant. But I'm going to be talking a lot more about stuff like where you and me are having like deeper conversations mm. um, about relationships and stuff like that. And I think that's quite important to, to share an insight on that. Yeah. So hit me up, guys, or tweet me.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. I hope you were able to learn a little something from that conversation with Kels. He was great to talk to and wish him the best of luck in all of this adventure. (laughs) And now kind of to move forward with our next guest, we're going to be chatting with Matthew, who kind of took on the role of the Jesus helper (laughs) on the show. Uh, Matthew also did not engage in any kind of sexual or romantic relationship or activities on the show and stood out to me just in the way that he very much came in there with his own personality and and stayed true to that in terms of his style and everything. Um, Matthew is actually from Colorado and he is... I mean, I didn't know this when we started recording, (laughs) so I learned some things. But uh, he was actually um, on America's Next Top Model, and he very much likes to dig deep into conversation, very... um, Very much has learned a lot through his experiences on reality TV and uh, is a very deep thinker with a spiritual outlook. Uh, He also has a book that you guys should check out. It is listed on his Instagram and I'm very excited for this conversation. So let's talk about it. All right. Welcome Matthew to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
3: Yeah, of course. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, usually I record for about 50 minutes, but we've got 30 minutes here with you today. And so I want to get kind of right into some of these questions. Um, first, you know, we saw you on Too Hot to Handle. Um, you were definitely, you weren't on the show the entire time, but you definitely made your mark as Jesus on the show. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> definitely made your mark um you came in definitely a very unique uh personality unique style swag definitely stood out amongst the other contestants um and i'm curious just kind of what got you on the show in the first place
3: well thank you for the compliments first of all (laughs) yeah i actually uh was like really stuck on coming in uh (laughs) Mm-hmm. wearing a wearing a t-shirt. So like I'm glad that you you appreciated my style. I yeah. got grief from it though for sure. I thought it was funny the first thing that Sh- Shran, like the first words I heard from anybody was is just like a religious thing. <laughs> it's like okay, so this is how that's going to start. Like yeah. this is a religious thing. Um I was so how I got on the show is actually there's there's a crazy story to this. I had been contacted By another network for a dating show um, just a few days prior Hmm. and I called my I kind of called my big brother Keith Carlos who won America's Next Top Model the same season I was on and you were on America's
0: Next Top Model
3: yeah I got I got uh I, I was I I think I placed like sixth or seventh and cycle 21
0: that's awesome clearly yeah. i didn't do my research <laughs>
3: <laughs> no no it's okay actually there's like tweets going around be- literally having a photo of me from t- top model and then a photo of me from two out the handle and people are saying is it just me or do these people look weirdly similar <laughs> so like it's still kind sense. of a secret that it's the same guy i think it's amusing <laughs> um but when i was on top model i was 24 it was like five mm-hmm. years ago so i didn't have as many tattoos i didn't have long hair yeah. so like and I hope I didn't age that bad, but I I feel like I still I don't look pretty so. similar. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I called Keith and was like, yo, uh, you know, this network hit me up to do a dating show. And I basically told him to like, I t- I said no. And like, mm-hmm. probably I could have done it more politely, but I just said no. Yeah. And so he told me, he was like, yo, you got to you know, see things through, when opportunities come knocking, like, at least, like, know what you're saying no to before slamming the door and, you know, Mm -hmm. slamming the door shut. And the very next morning at 6am, I got a DM uh, about this Mm -hmm. show. And it's definitely not something that because they had to be really, really, really secretive and private about it all because it's a new season and everything. So normally, it's not something I would have responded to. But literally, like, I was about to delete the message when, like, I reheard the voice, like, you got to see things through. And so I did. And then um, some time went by and I found myself in like paradise pretty much. And I couldn't mm-hmm. be happier about it because uh, it was just such, such a blessing. And it's been truly like such an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing something for the first time in TV, um, you don't have anything to relate it to. Yeah. So you only have the information they give you. You don't know if it's going to be a success. You don't know how the public's going to
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, relate to it, how it's going to be accepted. And just like the experience we had, that alone made it worth it. It was mm-hmm. so amazing. But then to see the world respond the way it has, yeah. it's like, it's just been just been awesome.
0: Yeah. And part of, well, first, I'm glad that you had, like, such a good experience. Um, it seemed like it was a good experience, but you yeah. never know how things are on the other end. Um, it it was kind of staged that pre-show dating was just hot sex flings for all the contestants. Um, was that true for you?
3: Um. So, I think that, like... O- ultimately, everyone that was there ha- had been damaged in some kind of way. Hmm. I think it was just like easier to communicate that it was like we kind of threw ourselves in sexual, like sex wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, um, I would refine it. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I would refine it by saying like each of us had something that touched on romantic relationships mm-hmm. and that was maybe like a little bit skewed, like Sharon definitely had trust issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I had made the comment, like, maybe I'm not too sure about monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessarily like we were all whores. I don't yeah. think that was at all the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that like there was something that was prohibiting us from building deep and meaningful romantic relationships.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and obviously if you have a hard time having a romantic relationship, you still have physical needs. So you're probably more likely to, to have sex without being in a relationship and stuff like that yeah um to answer your question directly for me i'm a super sexual person but i'm also extremely picky so just because i'm horny doesn't mean i'm having sex mm-hmm. um so yeah. like yes i love sex a lot but i'm not sleeping around i never mm-hmm. really have been that way um mm-hmm. so yeah yeah. I hope that answered your question.
0: No, it, it did because I, I found a few things interesting on this point. One, there was a moment where I think this was the first episode, and you were sitting down with Kels and you guys were talking about long-term relationships. You talked about you brought up monogamy. You Chloe walked by and you made you gave her a compliment yeah. where, where then you were kind of like, Yeah, she's kind of like the type I would go for. Right. But then you never really went for her. And so I did pick up this sense that like, yes, you can be horny, you have this sense of attraction to people, but that you don't necessarily just, like, jump on that or or lead with that was kind of part of what I took away from that, but was also very pleasantly surprised to have seen the monogamy uh, topic get brought up on the show, and I wish that they would have aired more. I don't know if there was more conversation around that piece, but would love to hear a little bit about just what your experiences were like maybe pre- or post-show around monogamy and, and dating.
3: Yeah. So the Chloe thing, she's such a sweetheart and she's got this bubbly personality and like she's, you can't really help but love her. And she makes comments that are a little bit ditzy, but they're also like, wow, that was like so pleasant to just hear someone say something.
0: like that. Yeah, Very, <laughs> like, very honest. I think she's yeah, very it, honest.
3: She's great, but she's also, uh, 20, 21, I believe. And I'm, I'm 30. So mm-hmm. the, I mean, I, age is just a number, but also like, your age does like in a way represent maturity and either yeah. you're there or you're not. So like, it was kind of one of those things where in person, although physically I'm attracted to her, mm-hmm. we just have like a brotherly sisterly energy. That's just what it is. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that's, that answers the Chloe thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the monogamy thing. So I was, I've had a couple relationships, one of which was for about like five, six years mm-hmm. and And so yes, the way that that went kind of made me jaded, but as I've gotten older and experienced relationships in different ways, um, it's kind of like, I think, and this is another thing that I said, I said, I do believe that love exists Mm -hmm. and I do believe monogamy can work. I just believe it's a lot more rare than most people would like to believe. And so it's not that I'm saying, oh, monogamy is not a way to Mm -hmm. do it. I don't believe in that. I'm just saying that a lot of times actually the concept and the confinement of the, of the like pressure of a monogamous relationship can oftentimes ruin it. Mm -hmm. So like if you immediately throw that into the bag of like what comes with me, I feel like you're actually limiting a lot of connection you can make with some amazing
2: people.
0: Yeah, definitely. What has your experience been feedback wise around that comment on the show?
3: Um, I think it's kind of like a very, uh, (laughs) like, uh, like what's the word, the term like voodoo kind of like people hate to hear it kind of, um, shunned concept. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, what do you say? Like, even if most of the times people will be looking at me and their eyes will be saying, I'm so glad someone else feels this way, but their mouth will be saying, how could you ever believe that? Mm -hmm. It's like this almost like, if we weren't taught from a childhood age that like Cinderella had one prince or like Prince Charming, like only gave himself to Cinderella. And it wasn't this um, basically just this ideology that's been shoved in our faces since we were kids. I think it actually makes a lot more sense um, to not have that restriction. So it's really interesting when because I'm someone who likes to pull um reactions out of people yeah uh and i'll say things sometimes just to see what people say or think about it and and i'll digest how their reaction was but the monogamy thing i like to throw out there because it is really interesting the conversations that come from it
2: mm-hmm.
3: um people don't want to not believe in love because that's a sad yeah. thing for most people yeah. but they also like understand that having a not so like this is the way it's got to be mentality can actually be beneficial.
0: What do you think about the
3: monogamy (laughs) subject?
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, love can exist outside of monogamy. Just because you're not in a monogamous relationship doesn't mean that you can't have love. Um, I very much am in the place of, you know, I've talked about it several times on the podcast and on my Instagram as well, where, you know, I think monogamy can be great for some people. And I think there are parts of it that... I'm very much drawn to, and there are parts of it that I think are very healthy. But I think this very all-or-nothing view of monogamy, and I think this default into monogamy, can be very dangerous for us. Um, so the way I approach it, in in my own life, is just a, a very intentional. Like, how do we want to create this relationship? It doesn't have to. Neither one of us are going to assume that this is going to be monogamous. But you know, perhaps there are layers of it that are, and and what what parts of it do we like? What parts of it do we Not like, um, I think, having those conversations and just being open to creating the relationship, however, works for the two of you is what's important. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, (laughs) when you brought it up on the show, I was like, oh, like, that's kind of ballsy, but also makes a little more sense on this show, like I think if on Bachelor, if I were to have been like, well, you know, I don't know if monogamy is for me, (laughs) that like people would have been very happy with me. (laughs) Not that they were already, but, um, but yeah, it's, I think a a good, a good topic to bring up because I think that we do need to have more conversations around it. Um, Mm. I'm wondering for you, which parts of it you've, well, have you had any kind of experience with being in a non-monogamous relationship?
3: Totally. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it wasn't like, but this is, so this is the, the very, um, tricky part of explaining mm-hmm. because people think if it's not a monogamous relationship, it means you're swinging. That's not no. the way it works. It's just it, like by saying it's not a monogamous relationship. It means that I never put that restriction on the person mm-hmm. and vice versa. I never, like I've been in non-monogamous relationships where I did not engage in any sexual re- action with anyone else, yeah. but it was because I actually was turned on so much by the fact that I didn't have those restraints yeah. that I'd never wanted to cheat on her anyway. Yeah. Or it wouldn't even be cheating, but I didn't like no one else interested me because she gave me freedoms Mm -hmm. and it was the same vice versa. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're growing, if the point, So iron sharpens iron. People grow together and then they grow separately. If you've met someone and you're growing together, like it's very easy to mix up spiritual growth and physical growth. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times they like base the physical growth to the spiritual growth and that can get really sloppy. Also, I think that like ownership is the opposite of love. And that becomes a very like self-indulging, self-gratifying concept. And it can become very abusive mentally and physically as well. So like, um, you know, someone that... (sighs) I just think that like it requires a very well-rounded, mature, emotionally stable person to understand that like they someone else could love you the most and also let you do what you need to to grow. It's just like yeah. a topic that I feel like a lot of more people should just reflect on, and they could still come to the conclusion that they feel the same way, but opening your mind to just mm-hmm. thinking the possibility can actually make you learn a lot about yourself.
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said. And uh, <laughs> I do think that there's a so much power in having that freedom of choice. Like yeah. that, that connection feels so much d- deeper in some ways than it has in my other monogamous relationships because it's like, You've made this intentional conscious choice to choose me and I appreciate that and like I'm here with you too. Um, it's also this sense of like selflessness, like you said, like when you take away that sense of ownership over that person, it's a very like selfless kind of love, I feel. Yeah. Um, and the
3: only girls that I've ever had, the only girlfriends, ex-girlfriends that I'm still close with today mm-hmm. are the ones that didn't have monogamous restraints. Hmm which is interesting. And the and since we were we never put the like taboo concept of other people mm-hmm. in into the conversation. They're the only girls I know truthfully they're past sexually mm-hmm. and vice versa. Oh. It's because like we didn't make it a bad thing. So yeah. like no one felt uncomfortable sharing their truth, mm-hmm. which also I think plays a massive part in why those are the ones that I'm still friends with today. Yeah. Because now, since they were able to talk to me totally transparently about their exes before me, like, now they're totally able, they know that they can talk to me about who they're with now, and I'm going to be the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. See, my, mine's actually kind of the opposite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but But I'm wondering for you, like, now, going forward after being on the show, like is a monogamous relationship something that you are looking for is a relationship in general, something that you're wanting to explore or are you just kind of in a phase right now of like self-reflection after the, the show itself was a lot of self-reflection. I feel like, yeah.
3: um, I am. I, so I just turned 30 this February and Happy uh, thank you. Thank you. I was in Mexico. It was great. Um, I, I'm ready like so it's kind of just an involved version of what I said I am I definitely want to get married I definitely want to have kids like being a father I think is going to be the most rewarding chapter of my life um, I've, I've, I've had my fun I've sowed my wild oats and I'm definitely definitely ready to like have that in my life mm-hmm. uh, but by no means is that how I intend on building like I don't I will never make monogamy a building block of my relationship mm. ever. So when I'm married, do I expect us to have a monogamous relationship? Absolutely. Or we won't get married.
2: Mm.
3: But I'm not ever going to be like, I'm never going to, I'm not the kind of guy that gives someone rules. So what I'll do is I'll give you complete freedom and see who you really are. And that's who I can trust you to be when we get married.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So that the topic of monogamy is not a factor in mm. in in my marriage my my, my marital status because if I'm not married it's because it wasn't monogamous but did I make it that way no it either came naturally or not but I definitely don't want that to ever be like a topic that um my wife felt like she couldn't talk to me about
0: yeah totally that makes sense um you brought up your seed and that reminds (laughs) me Reminded me of your intro video, um, your introduction on the show where you made a statement of wanting to spread your seed to all kinds of <laughs> different women of different backgrounds. Uh, can you elaborate on where you're at with that? <laughs> so um, on that some,
3: some back information. <laughs> My older sister is 5'11", and her ex-husband is 6'11" from Haiti and they have a daughter and twin boys and the daughter is, and she's a freshman going into being her sophomore in high school and she's Mm -hmm. six foot and the twin boys are in eighth grade and they're like five eleven. So I am already thinking, I don't want my kids to be like, dad, why aren't we as cool and athletic as our cousins? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm six, six. So I just make jokes like, you know, maybe my best bet is to just, spread my seed with a bunch mm-hmm. of different, you know, ethnicities and sizes and just, like, hope that one of them becomes a super athlete like my nephews and nieces already are. Um, also, yeah. like, I like to poke at my mom because she's always like, I can't wait till I can play with your kids and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm the grandma with your – and i always say like well you're gonna have a lot of a mom and they're all gonna look different because i'm gonna have 100 wives and blah blah blah
0: but like you'd so, be present in all those children's lives right absolutely,
3: yeah absolutely <laughs> it's an expensive method but yeah <laughs> uh, awesome. um yeah it, it is it, i say i did say uh in the episode that i often joke about it um mm-hmm. in a perfect world uh having like five wives with all different like Awesome traits and having a bunch of different cool babies that are just like half my genetics running around seems kind of like an awesome idea, <laughs> but I wouldn't say it's the most realistic.
0: <laughs> yeah, not the most practical.
3: <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, that would be a reach on the non monogamous side of things.
0: Yes. Um, well, g- glad but, to have some background information on that piece. Um,
3: I have had a lot of actually uh, um, women in, uh, slide in the DM well gay women <laughs> oh. that have contacted me asking for the seed because I'm willing to oh, like we're looking wow. for seed and I didn't really think of that but mm-hmm. I could never unfortunately give my seed away like that <laughs>
0: You i'd have to be in my
3: child's life i feel like that would complicate things
0: yes yeah oh i mean that's definitely an interesting proposal um yeah
3: i was like i didn't realize i really did not think about that angle when i said
0: that yeah. <laughs> uh the universe is just bringing you all kinds of gifts from this show it, it, um,
3: opportunities for yeah. sure <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Um, another topic that was brought up on the show that I have many questions for you on and we'll see how much time we have to get to some of them. But um, one of the rules, the whole, the whole premise of the show was for you guys to develop these deeper emotional relationships void of sex because sex was used as this distraction um, that was preventing you from getting deeper emotionally Parts of that, I strongly disagree with. Um, Parts of it, I get. Um, But there was, the show took it to like uh, a deeper level here. Where It wasn't just you guys couldn't have sex with each other, but it was that you couldn't masturbate. That you couldn't even experience that sexual energy or sexual release um, relationship within yourself. What was that like for you? Did you actually not masturbate the whole time you were there?
3: Dude, for real, 100%, <laughs> I actually did not mask. No one did. No one could. I'm telling you, there was no way around it. Um, it was the real deal. Like Not there, even
0: like in the toilet room.
3: No, I wish. I mean, <laughs> like my thighs were getting stronger from carrying around these heavy nuts all the time. Like shit was backed up. <laughs> like oh the testosterone <laughs> was building like little things that weren't important or like hard to deal mm-hmm. with day one, like day 15 were like, you know, serious like who ate the rest of the steak? Ah, oh! like really silly things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it was real. It was definitely real. There was no way around that for sure, um, huh. which gives girls an advantage because, like, physically, like biologically, men produce tons of tes- uh, semen daily. Like, it's like peeing or something like it has to come out one way or the other so Mm -hmm. i'm actually really surprised that no one had a wet dream like no one had a wet dream Mm -hmm. because that's how the body naturally filters it out if you're not getting it done yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, that did not happen which was actually really surprising Mm -hmm. but yeah no it was there was no way around that as far as the like um interaction between cast members go and the no kissing and stuff Mm -hmm. uh yeah it did seem a bit extreme Um, But that was also, I think, an element of, like, what made it so interesting, you know? Hmm. Uh, I don't think that the experience was built to be, like, a stroll in the park. Yeah. Um, So, and then you're also talking about people who have kind of, like, I, I would say I think every person that was a part of the cast did kind of use the fulfillment of physical gratification as a crutch to not actually explore themselves emotionally. Yeah. So... That's why they just wanted to remove that element entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said on the show, the not jerking off thing did get really tough.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> like it was for for real because like there there becomes a point where someone who's not attractive to you like day one mm-hmm. becomes looking really good like day ten <laughs> because your body is just telling you like we don't even care who it is anymore. You just got to get this done, man. Yeah. Like, conversations between big brain and little brain there was like a constant argument going on there yeah. was one day where I saw Rhonda's ass because we're sharing locker rooms yeah. like um and, and there was a day where like I just like accidentally gl- glimpsed at her butt in, a, in like a bikini and had to like put my head in my locker and like take a second to like read like digest and analyze why I was there mm-hmm. because you know, you started walking around like this with like blinders. You don't want to look <laughs> at the girls. I was yeah. lucky that I didn't have a romantic relationship, uh, a, a romantic interest in anyone, because it would have been really tough if that were the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would love to go
3: in season two, though, if they have one, get, bring in a girl in it that triggers me and let's see if I can still abide by the rules.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I two mean, numbers. I would imagine that that would be very, very difficult. As we saw, like, even the couples, they didn't really abstain. They still engaged with each other. Um, yeah. Has there been, like... It's so hard because I think relationships develop in so many different ways, and I think sex is a big part of that. Um, so, on, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense, you know? Like, hold off a little bit, like, get to know each other, but also, like, you kind of want to know, like, if something's there, and also, like what is wrong with exploring that sexuality? Um, how did that change just for you to not have that sexual relationship with yourself for those 15 days? Like,
3: um, I just took it on as like a mental challenge. Mm-hmm. I like to be tested. So I basically just immediately, once, I knew, once Lana gave us the news, I just was like, I don't know the rules to this game, like who, how someone's going to win or not win. I don't know how that's going to look. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have a relationship. I don't know how I'm going to leave this place. But I know for sure that I can control what I do. And I like made the decision immediately. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to feel good about how I leave this. And so I'm going to like stick by this and I'm not going to break any rules.
2: Mm -hmm. And
3: it got really, I mean, it really did get tough. I mean, to the point where I kind of almost took every little thing I overanalyzed every single thing because I didn't want to get in my own way and like slip up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was kind of like a whoa. When when I found out that we couldn't do that with ourselves, that's where I was like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is going to be tough. Yeah. How would you have felt about that?
0: I mean, I would have been able to do it easily um, yeah. because most of my life I didn't masturbate. Uh, but welcome to
3: the club. <laughs> the grass <laughs> is greener on this side of the hill, I can tell you, <laughs> for all of those listening.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's very different today. Like, I think it, it would be so somewhat easy for me to go back to that but I like I would want to fight that like I I'm very much a rule follower but when I feel like there's wiggle room there I like to argue it and so I would have felt like yeah okay I won't hook up with anyone but like you're not going to take away like my sexual relationship with myself um So I feel like I would have felt very pressed, like, to still do that. I think I would have got really creative in terms of, like, dirty talk. Like, we didn't really see anyone dirty talking, really. Like, I would have asked so many questions about how you do experience sex, what you like, what you don't like, how you do masturbate, if you could be masturbating. Like, I would be asking so many questions around sex, especially knowing that we weren't going to be able to have sex. And we didn't see that. I don't know if that was happening or not, but.
3: there was, yeah, that definitely was happening for sure. Okay. There was a lot of serious things. <laughs> yeah, there was. I mean, that a lot of people were exploring that. I mean, for real, we were talking about craziest experiences. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But it was... I actually, the way that it was presented, I appreciate. Because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it made the cast closer in the fact that we do have kind of secrets. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Plus... Um, I think that you should be able to do what everyone sexually in the world. Like, go crazy, have fun, be a dark horse. It's all good and gravy. You should experience that. Mm-hmm. But I do also think that some stories should be private. Yeah,
0: yeah. And a
3: few of the ones I heard should probably be private for
2: sure. <laughs> yeah.
3: Let's just put it this way. The cast is not angels. They have had their fun.
0: Yes. What – Um. If, if you're comfortable sharing whatever it would be, um, uh-huh. do you – what would you say has been like your craziest sexual experience? Most out there Uh, sexual experience, which you don't have to answer, but since we're on the topic.
3: So I would say one of the most romantic, fun sexual experiences was on a beach in South Africa in Cape Town called Clifton 2nd. That was super cool just because it's amazing and beautiful. My thing that I really like is doing things in public, but uh making it private so like being Mm -hmm. sneaky like having fun and like it sounds raunchy and over over saturated I'm sure but like movie theaters is like a thing Mm -hmm. kids like like that kind of thing public affection but sneaky and private Mm -hmm. it's like something you share with your person that no one else knows is going on it's also like risky and kinky I -hmm. like that that's my that's like my sauce
0: yeah no that sounds great that's awesome (laughs)
3: It's cool. I just think it's fun. Like if you're behind a bar at a party and no one Mm -hmm. else is behind the bar and you can like have conversations and she's wearing a skirt, maybe Mm -hmm. just explore a little bit.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, There's a toy. I don't know if you've ever experimented with toys in this realm or not, but uh, there's a wearable clitoral uh, vibrator called the Moxie from WeVibe that I love, and it, like, attaches to your underwear, and then your partner can, like, control it from an app. So, like, if you're, (laughs) you're, like, out dancing or something, you can have it on and just, like, send a text to your partner, and then they can start playing with it, and it is, like, this little secret that you two share.
3: Or at dinner with your parents.
0: Yes. Or at dinner with your parents. Done that.
3: Done that. It was amazing. The best thing ever. Yes. I would, I asked, I would, I asked my girlfriend a serious question, Mm
2: -hmm. like with
3: our parents at dinner, out, out at dinner. And I would ask her a serious question and, aunt and turn it on and like watch how well she could explain the question I asked her in front of our parents. It was the best thing ever. That was so much fun because, like, I'm learning a lot about her, too. Not only am I turning her on, but I'm seeing, like, how much she can control herself under pressure. Can she still think? I mean, it was, like, really. That was – I highly recommend that to people for sure.
0: That's torturous. Torturous. (laughs) Um,
3: And after a couple glasses of wine when they're feeling loose, oh, man. It, yeah, it could be viewed as like a form of torture, <laughs> but that is hot.
0: A little bit. A little bit, a little bit of torture there. <laughs> but hey, sometimes that is pleasurable. So, I yeah. mean...
3: It's kinky. There's something to it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Definitely. You're
3: having a personal experience around other people without it even them knowing it's mm-hmm. even happening. That's pretty hot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I want to go into just a little bit of how you exited on the show. Um, you had not created any kind of romantic connection with someone and decided to leave um can you share just a little bit of kind of what your thought process was around that how come you didn't just stay and continue to self-reflect in that environment
3: um yeah so i a lot of the guys would come to me for like advice or if they were feeling weak or having questions Mm -hmm. they'd kind of pull me aside and just we shoot the shit about how they were feeling and and whatever. You were almost like everyone's
0: therapist. You were like the Jesus, like. Kinda, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I was definitely, I helped. So Mm -hmm. like people would come to me feeling weak. I'd give them advice and kind of just like provide another way for them to look at it. It would help. They'd walk away kind of feeling refreshed and stronger, which was such a cool role for me to play. Um, But then... there just became a point where I was like, man, is staying helping? Like I could have definitely selfishly stayed and enjoyed the pool and enjoyed the the surroundings and like, you know, kept the potential of winning some prize money. Um, But I also was thinking, you know, by doing this, I really am. I'm not going to be there for these guys forever. I'm not going to be able to be someone they can like walk up to and, and kind of plug in and feel all charged up and be okay when they leave. I was like, you know what? I think overall, um, for my own personal growth journey, like uh, it was really growing stagnant for me. A and then B I knew that I was doing more harm to the people around me than good. And I was just like, there was also an element of me getting frustrated at certain people who kind of refused to maybe adopt a new, perspective on certain things at that period of time i have a
0: feeling i know who you're referring to there but yeah
3: yeah so it just was like all right all in all what is the best move and although it was super tough because Mm -hmm. the thing that mattered to me most was that the guys because i built a really close bond with all of the guys like every single one Um, and it like It was important to me that they knew I wasn't quitting on them uh, and that they knew why I was leaving. Mm -hmm. And then obviously that's an incredible experience and closing the chapter on that is tough, especially when you're making the decision on your own to close that chapter and walk out of like a once in a lifetime experience. Mm -hmm. It was, it was way tough. I actually held it together pretty well, like watching it back. I was like, dang, because I remember I was like shaking. Mm -hmm. It was kind of one of those things where it was like, it was like jumping off a cliff, you know, into the water. It's like that nervous feeling. And I was super sad. It was actually way more emotional than they made it seem. And I almost teared up again watching it because I mean, it got real. And they had, no one had any idea that I was even thinking of doing that. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, in fact, other people had, Talk to me about like, yo, I'm feeling weak. Like, I don't know if I could keep doing this. Yeah. And I was like, stick it through, stick it through. Don't quit. Don't quit. And then for me to come turn around and say, you know, it's best if I, if I leave, I think that it caught a lot of people off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it meant, it meant a lot for me to see, uh, you know, the cast's reactions and what they said in confessional afterwards. Cause obviously I didn't get to see
0: that. Now, it, it was very clear that, like, you had developed deep relationships with other people there and that you were a real source of support for the other yeah. contestants on the show. Um, you mentioned, again, kind of just taking on this, like, caretaker role in a way. Is that a role that you also fulfill in your everyday life? A role um, that you identify with? Or did that just come out in the experience of the show?
3: No, I definitely... I provide people... Different. I provide people perspective, like that's usually different than their own. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm usually, and I'm always willing to talk with someone and like, I love philosophical conversations. So I think I just naturally draw people Mm -hmm. that want to talk about stuff that matter to them. And I think that's amazing. And I love, I love doing that. I've always been that way. Um, but I also have support systems for me that I go to Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling weak or unsure about things. Like I'm definitely not some guru. I'm just Mm -hmm. a guy who like has a different perspective that people usually like to dissect a little bit. Um, and I call, I, I, I got this way because of all of the poor choices I've made in my life.
0: Mm.
3: I, I tell people I'm a professional bad choice maker. Oh really? And yeah, I've definitely learned the hard way in most things. My friends say I'm on my ninth life. I mean, I'm an extremist. Oh, wow. so I
0: now I have a thousand <laughs> more questions.
3: <laughs> I've, I've definitely gone through it in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, and so I am very aware of the implications of a bad choice, mm-hmm. which makes me analyze every decision I make, which makes me think deeply about every, everything I think about which gives me perspective and blah, 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 blah. And it Mm -hmm. turns into me being a person that's willing to help other people. Because if I can help someone avoid the bad choices I made, then it gives some sort of retribution to the poor choices I've made. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Through all of these poor choices and and bad decisions that that you've made, has therapy ever been a part of processing that for you?
3: No. No. (laughs) I mean, it's, I guess it's, uh, I've never hired a therapist, yeah. Um, but I've got friends that mm-hmm. I've, that I trust yeah. that I communicate to. So, like, that is therapy in, in the mm-hmm. in. To me, as far as I'm concerned, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it did sound like you had a really good, like, social support system for that. And being a yeah. therapist, I always am like, what's therapy like for you? Is that something you do? Is it, you know, yeah. something that you're scared of or something you had a bad experience with or that you had a good experience with? Um, but that's good to know that you've, like, reflected on those things and have support to do that with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how was just the experience of going through the show and coming out of it now? I mean, life obviously is a little bit different for everyone here in quarantine, but, um, you know, in general coming off of the show, you know, no more poor decision-making or.
3: (laughs) Oh gosh, no, listen, I'm not perfect at all. Like not at all. Uh, I still make a very impressive amount of bad choices on the regular. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it's just because like the way I look at things is why would I climb half of Everest? Like, that's, Mm -hmm. that's not how my brain works. If I'm going to climb Everest, I'm going to go to the top. I could die, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put my effort there unless I experience it all the way. And Mm -hmm. I have that perspective on every single thing, including Mm -hmm. sex, relationships, everything. So, like, I don't just mess up a little bit. Like, I don't hit a bumper, like a side-of-the-road bumper and, like, get back on track. No, I'm going 80, I'm going to crash, or I'm (laughs) I'm either going to be able to be like, this is why you should never do that, or I'm going to be like, this is why you should absolutely do that. I'm never going to have this, like, biased opinion, or I'm not going to have an opinion at all, in which case I've now learned it's way easier (laughs) to just ask other people, should I do this? And listen
0: definitely
3: yes. a, yeah because I'm yeah yeah gosh the amount of personal heartache I could have avoided mm-hmm. um by listening earlier in my life but yeah. uh, I guess you know <laughs> so I'm trying to more and more adopt that like sometimes I will tell yeah. someone something and then I will literally think to myself wow if I could listen to that shit and like abide by the, my own words like this would be a lot better yes
0: absolutely and i mean everything that you're going through right now though of like coming off of the show like this is like a big experience and i imagine a lot to process too like how are you helping yourself through this experience you know jerking off all the time i mean that's that is helpful that is that is helpful
3: (laughs) it is a massive stress reliever no uh, (laughs) um i am surrounded by awesome people Mm -hmm. um i actually am quarantining with keith carlos who won mm-hmm. top model. And so he's been through this process before. And so yeah. I'm able to relate with him. And if I'm feeling some kind of way I can talk to him and he's experienced, uh, experienced this. So that helps a lot. Um, as you know, I think it's just kind of like this crazy anxious feeling that just almost never goes away. Mm-hmm. There's so, and especially if you're in tune with energy and like you can feel that um, I've tried to explain it to people where it's like, have you ever had someone that you know, that's thinking about you somewhere and you can like feel that they're thinking about you. And then you get a text message from them and you're like, wow, like the world just confirmed our sixth sense of like ability of under- feeling someone's energy. Yeah. So then imagine that times hundred million magnified worldwide and everyone that's thinking about you, you don't know. That's how it feels. It kind of feels like standing in the middle of New York and just like having your eyes closed and headphones on. You still know there's a hundred people walking in every direction looking mm-hmm. at you, but you can't like make it out. And it's just this really just crazy, anxious, uncertain feeling that you can't address because you don't know what it is because we don't teach that this exists. Yeah. So you have to like spend extra energy, you know, basically protecting your thoughts and your heart and mm-hmm. your feeling put your phone away, meditate, pray, do more oh, yeah. you know, workout, whatever it takes. It's almost like you work the opposite. <sighs> you work the opposite way of what's happening in your life. And you have to like put effort into protecting yourself and protecting mm-hmm. your mind. So like, I don't pick up phone calls really ever unless I already know exactly what they want to talk to me about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going outside and, like... I mean, the the quarantine actually helps, I think, the cast a lot Mm because it's, like, subconsciously creating an avoidance of the extra energy that will come once this thing all breaks open. Um, So, yeah, it's just... I think it's a trick. This is something I developed after Top Model because I Mm -hmm. wasn't in that place, and I, like totally went off the deep end so i knew this time around i had to develop a new uh, basically a new tactic
0: and that's when like a lot of those poor poor decision making came in after top model (laughs) yes
3: people don't give enough credit to like people like okay i think so i always say the one common denominator between a successful person is being able to have restraint and be um uh stay centered in extreme circumstances mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't realize how powerful someone is to make a good choice when they have every choice available yes a lot of people make poor choice uh good choices because they're limited on their options of choices mm-hmm. but then like someone who's an a-list celebrity or like a superstar or a president they can do whatever they want yeah. so for the fit for them to choose the right thing is not just like like they had two choices and they picked the right thing it's like they had a thousand million choices and they picked the one right thing like that is Mm -hmm. a seriously like that's in itself an accomplishment yeah so yeah I had a million different things open up to me that I could do Mm -hmm. and like 90% of the time I chose the wrong thing and it was because of just anxiety and not and like Mm -hmm. I wasn't mentally on the level of where I was in my life. It was just, yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, no, and that makes sense that having that experience has kind of set you up to have more tools in handling it this time around. Um, exactly. I think especially... The, like, protecting yourself piece, I like to say, like, you're protecting your emotional energy, where, like, I've used that example many times pre-quarantine, but especially during quarantine of, you know, don't answer the phone if you don't have the emotional energy to have that conversation, conversation with that person, that that's okay to put yourself first and say, I'm not here right now to, like, sit in this space with this person, um, and, yeah, the social media piece is is huge. This past weekend, I hadn't opened Instagram since Friday afternoon till now, Monday afternoon. Um, and just those few days, it's so rejuvenating and grounding. Very, For anyone grounding. who
3: hasn't done that, you need to try it. Mm-hmm. Just go like one day without and the, um, the energy that changes within you will be noticeable mm-hmm. within one day. Yes. I've gone without a cell phone or internet three times in my life for a month.
0: A whole month? Like,
3: a whole month. I've n-
0: not done a whole month. <laughs> I've well, done two, like three days.
3: Two of those months, two of those three months was the top model and... Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: no. So, yeah, I have done that then. Bachelor yeah, in Paradise, so...
3: Was a month, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and like it's insane the contrast of how it feels to have a phone on you like when you first get your phone back it's like soul sucking yeah,
0: like, yeah! and like they they specifically <laughs> tell you they're like be very careful when you do open your phone like make sure that you're ready to open it like when you turn it back on and yeah still even when you think you're ready you're really not ready because then it's just no. a whole lot
3: and even if, even if it's not even if you don't like just the weight of it, like you can feel your Mm -hmm. body's energy being sucked into this thing. It's, it's absolutely wild. I highly recommend. I'm actually, I was just talking to someone about that. I need to like wean off it even more, I think, Mm -hmm. and get like, yeah, Yeah. it can be, it can be uh, intense, but I've told people I love, I go, listen, if you want to call me, I want a text message about what you want to talk about first. And then I'll get back to you. And then we can talk when we do, because listen, I'm not going to help anyone if I can't help myself first. Mm -hmm. I I call it, it's being selfishly selfless Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and like make the selfish decision for you so that you can be your best self for other people. And I think that's another thing that's undervalued.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad that you operate that way and that you can take care of yourself in that way um i super appreciate you you know taking the time and like to be on virtually here with me to have this conversation now
3: you know how much it means to me giving you all i have
0: yes yes and i very much appreciate it and i know that a lot of the things that we talked about will be very helpful for listeners to hear so i appreciate that um can you share a little bit about just where people can find you, where they can follow you, if you have anything upcoming that you're working on that you want people to keep an eye out for?
3: Yeah. First of all, thank you for having me before I go on to my stuff. Yeah. Uh, this has been fun. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is Matthew Stephen Smith, and that's with a P-H. And then that's pretty, that's the same across all boards, just at Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Smith. And, uh, you can find me there and I I spit, uh, some deep (laughs) stuff sometimes, but mostly it's just my little kid, like my, my best friend's son. He's like the cutest thing ever. I highly recommend checking out my story. Yeah. Uh, People are going to hate when I don't live with them anymore because they're going to be like, where did this little kid go?
0: Yes. Take
3: your beanie off. Show us the little boy. We don't care about you, Matt.
0: (laughs) Yes. And you usually go by Matthew or Matt?
3: Matthew. My father's name is Matt. So I just stuck with Mm -hmm. Matthew to have be different, but I don't take offense if you call me Matt.
0: Well, thank you, Matthew, for coming on.
3: <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for coming.
0: Yes. Ah. <laughs> Not <All> yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? and And sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, And again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.